everybody. Welcome to episode 21, Something's Off podcast. I know I've been away for a while. I'm sure many of you missed me. I had to take a break. I had to uh, restart the old engines, so to speak, as my grandfather would say. I'm kidding. He would never say something like that. No, nothing that cringeworthy. No, I had to uh, take a breather. I've been potting too hard. I'm too hard for this game. I'm too real for this game. All right? No, I'm kidding. I just needed some new microphone equipment. The last one, I'm, I'm hoping this works out. I'm still kind of trying to get the hang of this. Uh, I got this new microphone delivered to me a couple of days ago, and it's a nice one. It's handheld, so I can just sit back, relax, and speak my mind. I don't have to fucking hold a tripod up to my mouth or set it on the table and fuck my neck up talking to you guys. I can just kind of sit back and relax until I get tired of this, and then I have to get a whole new microphone. But I don't want to do that for another couple of years. I'm kind of liking this. I'm I'm very comfortable. I'm in my zone right now. I'm already feeling a little bit more relaxed. I'm not as awkward. I don't know. That's that's my perception of myself. My Our perceptions of ourselves are always different than the way other people perceive us which is why it's good to be around people. And that doesn't seem like that's... Ha- we're, we're almost a year into this quarantine. Next week, March 13th, that will be, I believe, the uh, anniversary of when this finally... The world started shutting down. I remember I was coming home from an open mic that night. It was a Wednesday night. And I was on the bus. And I look at my phone, which uh, I shouldn't have been on because I don't have the data. And my father, if he had seen that, would have punched me in the face. Alex, you're wasting money. You don't know the value of a dollar. Anyways, I'm riding home, and I see the article that Tom Hanks had been diagnosed with COVID-19. Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. And uh, that was the catalyst for a slew of conspiracy theories. None that I'm really going to get into, because I don't want to reignite it. Okay, I'm a big fan of the Hanks. I'm a big fan of his wife, too. I didn't know she was Greek. She doesn't look like she's into the tzatziki sauce. But anyways, they got COVID, and then uh, the NBA got canceled. Uh, And then I believe the NHL, either that night or the next day. And then Trump started closing the borders, and then Justin Trudeau started closing the borders. And everything just unraveled. And then after that weekend, it was St. Patty's weekend. They said, okay, we're going to have to stay in for a couple of days. And a couple of days turned into a week, and then a week, a month, and then a month into uh, here I am in my parents' basement. I had to get out of my house. I went back for the Super Bowl, and I ended up staying all through February. And I don't know how I feel about it. I'm glad to be out of my bachelor apartment. I want to go back soon because I have a whole other life that I've left behind. But I need to be around people. Getting a little loopy. And uh, I I wanted to get back to podcasting, because this has kind of saved my sanity. Like a lot of people. Everybody has their thing that they say, uh, "This, this is mine. Then I started doing gigs again. Very slowly, but I'm I'm looking to get it back up and running. Any place that will book me, I will I will do it. 
This summer, I did a gas station in Gravenhurst, Ontario. I'm not afraid of anything. This is, uh, you know, this is God's country, cottage country. Everybody's sitting outside in their Muskoka chairs, not a care in the world. Some of them probably don't even realize that a pandemic is happening. These are the people I want to entertain. And I went up there multiple times because that was the place I could perform. In uh, a, a rec room of a gas station. Yes, a lot of gas stations, especially up in God's country, have back rooms where the townspeople congregate. Uh, I'm going to assume there's been a wedding reception or two there. Never underestimate these people and their ability to turn a underdeveloped place into a really fun popping place. No, it was a, a good friend of mine, Deb uh, Deb Bozeman. She has Deb Comedy Den. Deb's Comedy Den is what she calls it. And uh, she's moved from place to place. But she summers up in uh, Gravenhurst, like Muskoka area, whatever that is. And she just had this space that she rented out. And it became a comedy club of sorts. And I would go up there, and it's just right on these back roads. Uh, kind of looks like where they would have filmed an old Goosebumps episode. And I would just park there, just off to the side, walk in, and they'd have an audience there. Everybody's socially distanced. Everybody's masked up. They got a table there with treats and water. And I would just go up there uh, onto an unfinished sort of set with a stage, kind of wooden, and I would I would do my shit. And I would just talk about Growing up in an Irish Catholic family, and hey, I uh, I live alone. Any any single ladies out there? I would just do my shtick, and then I would go right into talking about race because you know that's my steez. No, it's been a wild year. It's been a wild year of uh, drama, pandemic, civil unrest, and uh, the only productive thing we ended up doing was banning Dr. Seuss. Everybody, six Dr. Seuss books i believe have been uh have been banned or uh, uh not banned but they cease production on these books so again uh to think that those are going to be the only dr seuss books they're going to find other things they're going to find uh something wrong with the grinch and the cat in the hat anything i don't know like the the grinch the, they'll find out that oh the, somebody wait till somebody's convinced that the grinch is about a minority a segregated minority who resorts to robbing houses. Uh, you're going to see the Jim Carrey movie fly off the shelves very quickly. You're going to start seeing Amazon. Hey, I got a blue, I got a Blu-ray of Jim Carrey's The Grinch. It's going for $52,000. It's going to be illegal to have this one day, so you better catch it now. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't think you should just, I don't think the answer is just erasing everything taking it all away so nobody can see it. You you have to you have to have some frame of reference of the past. I mean, I don't know. Maybe keep selling them but have a disclaimer saying like look, this was made uh back 60 years ago when no one had a conscience. When there was a world war happening and everyone had seen blood and death. Not that I'm justifying it, but these are the type of people we were dealing with. Hardened people who really had no concept of what it was to be human. These were people who had to be animals of sorts in order to survive. 
and again, it doesn't justify any type of racial caricatures or any shit like that, but I don't know if erasing everything is is the way to go. Because it's going to be something that you love eventually that people are going to find, quote-unquote, problematic, and it's just going to be this big controversy, and, and it, eventually it falls on something that you love. So I don't know if this is the answer just to get rid of fucking everything. Everything. I mean, why is that the solution to let everything go? Like, you know, what, what we don't want children reading these Dr. Seuss books? I, I say keep them. I say take keep the most racist Dr. Seuss book, and the next kid in your class who gets in trouble, who speaks out of turn, who doesn't raise his hand, who comes in late for recess, who mouths off to the teacher, who accidentally slips an F-bomb, get him to go up into the front of the class and read the fucking book. Get him to read it. These kids know what's up. They know what's politically incorrect. That's a humiliating moment that this child will remember for the rest of his life. Or her life. I'm not discriminating. Both young boys and young girls are susceptible to this type of treatment. To this type of punishment. Never mind sitting in the corner. Never mind time out. I want this kid to read Hooray for Diff and Do for Day. Or I think I saw it on Mulberry Street or whatever that fucking book is called. I, I almost think that they should change these racist doctors. If, if we are going to go that route, okay, if if the cat's out of the bag, not the cat in the hat, if the cat is out, it's the expression, if the cat's out of the bag, I wasn't making some weird fucking pun there. If the cat's out of the bag, I say, and, there, and there's no changing this and the decision's already been made, whatever corporate bullshit they throw at you, I think that they should take these racist Dr. Seuss books and just turn them fully woke and just have these woke little little rhymes and little little stories you know i ran 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 as fast as i could to go get a torch and set fire to that man in the white hood or uh, i ran 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 as fast as i can i i run 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 as fast as you can to go set fire to the whole ku klux klan just something about defeating a racist. Whatever you want. It can be whatever you want. All right? Uh, I backed up on this car and hit this man's fender. Only to see that the driver was another gender. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. Uh, all right. I don't know how long I'm going to go with this recording today. I really just, this was just to test this mic out. But uh, I don't know. We, uh, I, I got to find a way to keep the movement going, all right, to change the world. We can't change the world if we're just lazy and not doing anything, you know? Don't you just hate when a podcast or any, any public social media influencer starts doing that? They just they they end every post with an "I love you" and "You are special," or something like that. No, I, like I know this one guy at the end of he's like a social media influencer. He's like a rapper, a spoken word poet, and he's like super woke. But he ends every Instagram video like he'll go on this five minute long talk about 
how the patriarchy needs to fall and everybody needs to get in line. And then he'll end it with, he'll just, he'll be so angry and passionate. And then he'll end it with, I love you. And then fade to black. Again, yeah, this guy certainly loves you. The, The guy who's never met you before. He cares about you. I love you. It, it's like that doesn't mean anything to me. You, We don't know each other. Love is supposed to be something that's personal. It's not supposed to be universal. You've never met everybody in the world. And on the off chance that you do happen to meet all 7 billion people and counting on Earth, uh, you're not going to enjoy a few of them. Some people are terrifying. Some people are gross. Some people are sad. Some people are boring. Some people are boring. But some people are downright undesirable. And I mean like just scary human beings. And I didn't even grow up in a rough neighborhood. And I understand that. There's some people who who are genuinely disturbing people who have no other purpose but to really do harm, I feel. And it, it, it all it took me was to grow up on the mean suburban streets of Mississauga, Ontario. To come to terms with that reality. Oh man, uh, it it is wild, just being back in my home area and just going, just kind of driving around. Because I'll drive late at night. There's nothing to do, right? So on weekends, I will I will take my sister's car out and just go for a drive. And it's so crazy to see the way the streets are now. Nobody's outside. A lot of the streetlights are off in certain places. They don't keep them on at night. And I'm just driving around. And I'm just, I remember growing up when there was people around, people walking, okay? It was almost vibrant in the mid to late 2000s. And people were just doing their thing. And I remember going, this is so bland and boring and nothing was going on. And now I am seeing this place when it it is actually bland and boring and nothing is happening. And I'm like, this is an actual physical manifestation of how I pictured this place growing up. And it's almost poetic, if you guys can follow me. It's crazy. I don't know if you guys have gotten that vibe going back to your hometowns during this. Like anybody who grew up in a quiet place where not a lot was going on, you kind of felt out of touch with other people. You didn't really fit in. Now I'm seeing an actual an actual physical, uh, I guess manifestation is the word. Of, of how I pictured my hometown when I was a kid. And it's interesting. But I'm seeing a lot of people that are, are still kind of here. I'm, I'm primarily in the city now. Other than stints like this where I just somehow find myself in my parents' basement and rec room recording a fucking podcast. But I'm back and I'll see every now and then I'll run into somebody that I grew up with or that I knew and sometimes they're not, a lot of the time, they're not really doing anything. They're not doing anything. And I, I'm convinced now that you have to leave your hometown at some point. You actually have to get the fuck out and do something else. You have to just experience a new environment. I'm not saying live in squalor and move into the projects, but fuck it. Why not? Do it. I mean, you, you couldn't be any more of a white suburban hipster. I mean, you're, you're living out your greatest fantasy, okay? If you are a hipster, if you're one of those people and, you know, wearing all plaid 
except for your your penny loafers or slippers that you take out to go get groceries and you you know the top hat that you're in um it's a lot of stand-up comics by the way and they all talk about pita bread and personal pizza but if you're that you know just just go live in squalor slum it for a little bit see what other environments are like go onto a subway okay into a packed subway mask on of course but go into a packed subway and see what that's like Go back and forth to and from work every day. And that's the reality, okay? You're now out of the safety of suburbia. You need to know what it's like to be walking home late at night and having to check every doorway of every store that you walk past just to make sure nobody's waiting there for you. Because that's the reality. That's that's city life. Not as many people are doing that in suburbia. They should, okay? There's, there's suburban sociopaths. I've always said that suburban sociopaths are more dangerous than city sociopaths because city sociopaths are actually busy dealing with other sociopaths. Suburbia, you just got this whole smorgasbord of innocent people to have your way with. It's a fucking predator's dream. (laughs) Not that I'm getting... If there are any predators listening to this, I don't want you getting any ideas. All right, I, I don't want to be this person who enables you and inspires you and incites anything, okay? We all know how fucking... We, we, we all know how lightly social media takes that. That's not what I'm saying. But, I mean, suburbia is a nice place to grow up. It's a nice place to grow up. It's quiet. There's not a ton of violence. It's relatively safe. But it's not a great place to spend your entire life if that's all you're used to. Because around 25, 26, there is this monotony that sets in. There's this, the real boredom sets in where you start really, if you're not doing anything with your life, if you're not going out there and pursuing anything or working towards something because you're still fairly young, you begin sort of melting into the exterior. If all you do is just congregate at a bar with other people late at night, you're going to become part of that bar. All right, you're going to become part of the leather cushioning. They're just going to discover you laying there years later when they come to refurbish the place. You're you're now just part of that setting. And it scares me. And I don't necessarily want to be like that. And I I know people who are getting kind of like that and I want them to strive for more as well. It's a complicated situation. Mm. But you got to go. But you got to go. That's a wild time. I want people to just like start working, working for more. Like I, I want to work for more. I sometimes feel like I'm being a little too lazy and, I, and I'm kind of lost at 29. And it, I'm, I'm terrified. I truly am. There are times when I feel confident, like after I write a good bit or after I have a good set or if I post something really funny that's received well on, on social media I, I, it's those brief little moments where I do, I'm like, okay, like I do have a shot at this. But other than that, man, fuck, I bombed a set on Friday in Oshawa where they were booking me, uh, where, where they booked. Like I've, I've been going out there all the way east to uh, Durham region to do shows all the way on the other side of Toronto. And I bombed and I remember that was like the only show that was happening really. And I drove home, took about an hour for me to get back to my parents' place. And I remember like I was almost in tears and I never really admit 
crying or getting emotional with shit like that. That's just a personal thing that I have. I'm not trying to be toxic. I'm not trying to be any of that. But I remember getting literally worried for myself at 29 going like, holy shit, is this it for me? Am I ever going to be able to move to New York? Am I ever going to have the money to, to do anything? Is this feasible at this point? Did I fuck up? Was I just born in the, in the wrong place at the wrong time? Did I, I, maybe I should have worked harder years ago. I would have been miles ahead or miles further than I am right now. And all of these, these worries just came in. And all I really needed to do was just go home, sit, have a slice of pizza, watch porn, and then I was, I was refreshed. I was no longer worried. It was just a slice of pizza and, and, a, and, a, and a quick nut. Not together. That would be, you know, that would be a little much, okay? That's when you guys worry about me. I, I don't know too many people who jerk off while eating pizza. I mean, seems like the best of both worlds, but, you know, you got to one fucking step at a time, people. Okay? Don't get ahead of yourself. That's how people have heart attacks. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird thing. I don't know. It's it's all the it's all the it's all the exceptionalism that they taught children in schools in the late eighties, nineties. Whenever that was implemented, whenever that came to be, I don't know where I, I don't know when exactly what was, what the catalyst was exactly. But I remember them every I went to a bunch of different fucking schools and every one of them was the same narrative. You're special, you're beautiful, you can do whatever you want. They were very uh, light in specifying uh, the exact steps to take, you know, like how I get out there, what I do. Now, mind you, it's a completely different infrastructure now with social media, but they never really told you exactly what it was that you had to do, you know, that you had to fucking work your ass off. You had to be prepared to uh, prepared for rejection. You had to be prepared to have somebody say, fuck you, you're not good at this. And then say, you know what? I'm not going to listen to that guy. I'm going to keep going. You have to be prepared for all that shit. And they never really taught us about that. Every now and then, they would. there would be somebody. There would be a teacher who would step to the plate and say, look, this isn't going to work out for a lot of you, but you can still try. You can still try. There were too many teachers were nice. There were too many nice teachers out there who coddled everybody and told them they were beautiful. I, of course, went to a Catholic school. So there was a religious element added. It wasn't just like the public school where it was just kind of this bland. There, there was it was all through the. You're special in the eyes of Jesus. You can do anything you want in the eyes of God. You can do like it, it was like that. And teachers were too. You know, gym class was easy. The grading system was changed. There was this anti-bullying campaign. So if you had a problem, all you needed to do was go to a teacher after recess. This person's bothering me. This person's, and they would take care of it. And it had the exact opposite effect than they intended, right? They wanted all these kids to feel better, but now they're all anxious, narcissists, who fucking start having seizures at the first sign of adversity. And it's ter- it terrifies me because I, I kind of feel at times like I'm one of those kids. You know, like the teachers who were assholes... I want to. I want to thank them. I want to thank them. I want to. I want. I want their phone number. I want to phone them and I want to say, "Hey, you called me an idiot loser who wasn't going to amount to anything. 
I want to buy you dinner, sir. Or worse, or you said, hey, you know. You're, you're, you're your siblings after birth. Something really poetically awful. Some kind of fucking insult, whatever it was. Nobody ever told me it. No, nobody ever called me after birth, by the way. Nobody, that was just, that was just a little improvisation off the top of the dome, you know? No, but we would, we would get guys in like guitars coming into our school and telling, like that's how deep some of them went trying to convince us that we were beautiful and special, right? We would get guys who would come in once a year with a guitar. It would be a white guy with a beard. He would have some really fucking Caucasian name like Ron Sesnick or some shit like that. And every year the principal would come on the PA system. We'd be a year older. We'd have enough of this shit. And everybody, Ron Sesnick is coming tomorrow. And everybody would just look at each other. Oh, Ron Sesnick. And it would be just some guy with a fucking headset and a guitar. I don't know why he needed the headset. He would just stand in the same place the entire performance. And we'd be an hour with him singing the same song. And I think he would do Dr. Seuss material too. And it was just Ron Sesnick. Ron set, and every year he'd have a another string missing from his guitar to the point where you were in the eighth grade, about to, you know, go into high school, and it, his guitar would just look like just some contraption, just some little stupid device that a a kid, a kindergartner made out of a a, a toilet paper roll in a tissue box. And he'd just be plucking away at that one string, just holding on to that one bit of hope he had. Like, holy shit. I have to tell these kids that they're all special and beautiful. And here I'm just fucking, all I'm doing is just going to a bar after and shooting a heroin needle into my arm. And then years later, when you got to high school, they would always tell you, hey, uh, you can't, no smoking next to the school. No smoke. We had an underpass. No smoking. No smoking by the underpass. No going underneath there. And I always thought that, the, you know, I, I didn't go for a while under that underpass. But I always thought that they just didn't want us all kind of hanging together doing drugs and drinking and smoking. Uh, when in reality, they were just trying to protect us from Ron Sesnick, who uh, now uh, listed his address as the underpass. He'd just be laying there in a blanket. With the guitar. Still holding on to that one string. I hope Ron Sesnick's doing well. Anyways, guys, that's it for today. Episode 21. I'm glad to be back. Thank you for listening. I, I should thank people more. I should be polite. I, I, I'm, working, I'm working on my personality here. I need to be more grateful. I appreciate it. Something's Off Podcast on Instagram. Take it is.